0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Sometimes when I'm in the gym and I'm trying to lift a weight or do more reps than I've done in a long time, I, I paint a scenario in my head where my family is depending on me to lift that weight. So let's say I'm doing bench press and I want to lift a weight that I haven't lifted uh, before. What I'll imagine is I'll imagine that Corinne and I were on a walk and we got caught in an avalanche and we're trapped. But above us is a tree and if I can just lift that tree, I can pull Corinne out of there and bring her to safety. Coincidentally, the weight of the tree that I need to lift is the exact weight that I'm trying to bench. Or if I'm trying to do bent over rows, more reps than I've ever done before, What I'll do is I'll imagine that our whole family went for a walk and everybody except for me slipped and fell into quicksand. And I got to lift them out one by one by one by one. And some of them are really clumsy and they keep falling back into the quicksand. So I just got to keep lifting. And I understand in the back of my head that at the very end of the line, the last person that I'm going to lift is my grandson, Noah. So I got to get the reps or I'm not going to get to Noah. Or if I'm trying to do one more chin up, I'll imagine that I went for a walk with Tori and Emma and we fell into a hole that some bad guys dug. Who are these bad guys? I don't know. They're just bad. They're bad guys, okay? And we fell in there and the bad guys are going to come back any minute. And I need to pull myself out of that hole so that I can get Tori and Emma to safety. Now, you might think that at this point, I'll say, I know it's kind of weird, but I'm not going to say that because it's actually not weird. I'll give you three reasons why it's not. Number one, because you do it. If you spent some time in the gym, you've done that. Number two, because it works. And number three, it actually illustrates a really important spiritual and human principle that our greatest strength is displayed when we act on behalf of others. Our greatest strength is displayed when we act on behalf of others. Jesus talked about it a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And then he looked collectively at the church that he would establish. And he said, you are a city on a hill. I want you to think about that because it's really, really important. See, I believe, I know that we are about to enter into a time of revival in our world. And if you ask me to give you the one clearest reason why I would say this, because in my lifetime, we've never needed revival more than we need it right now. And I really also believe that for me and for you and for us collectively, God is going to place us right in the middle of that revival, that we are going to have an opportunity to be the salt of the earth, which is really a big deal. Cause I want you to think about that just for a second. Maybe you've heard before that salt is a preservative. That's important, but salt is also flavorful. And I believe over the last 12 months, there's a lot of people that are starting to find life as anything but flavorful, as completely bland. You know what I mean? Like I heard this week that somebody was comparing 2020 to 2021 and they said, man, the only difference I can find between March of 2020 and March of 2021 is now we have toilet paper, but everything else is exactly the same. There's no movement. And we're sitting alone wondering You know, when is life going to get exciting again? Isn't there more to life than what we're living? And I believe that God is going to call you and me to be the salt of the earth, to bring flavor, to tell them that there is a savior named Jesus. And he wants to change you so much from the inside out that regardless of the circumstances around you, you are going to find life flavorful. You're going to find life good because it's going to start from the inside of who you are. And number two, we're going to have an opportunity to be the light of the world. I think for the last 12 months, there's a lot of people feel like they're wandering around in the dark right now. And with darkness comes uncertainty and fear. I mean, like, we never know what, what's it going to be. Like, what's controlling our lives today? Is it sickness? Is it quarantine? Is it lockdown? Is it vaccines that might work or might not work? Like, it really feels sometimes that we're wandering around in the dark. And I think we have the chance to be the light of the world. And we need to tell them about a God who actually stands above and beyond all governments and all viruses and all vaccines and all lockdowns and all restrictions. And he has a plan, a certainty for you that even when your life feels out of control, that our God is completely and totally in control. We get to spread that message and we get to be a city on a hill. Like us, there's a church together. We get to be a city on a hill. Isn't that an interesting concept? Like imagine first century travelers wandering around uncertain of where they are. And night is coming with all the dangers that come along with the night. And they're completely lost. And they come over a rise and all of a sudden they see in the distance a city on a hill and they realize that they're gonna go from lost to found. See, I think for a lot of people in our world today, they feel completely lost. It's been a weird 12 months because so much of what we define ourselves by has been stripped away. Like there's some people, uh, you, you, you define yourself by the amazing job you have and the position that you find yourself in, but maybe over these last 12 months, that's been stripped away. Or there's some people that maybe you define yourself by the amount of money you have and the amount of purchasing power that you have and the things that you can buy. But what's amazing over these last 12 months is for so many people, that's been stripped away. Or, or maybe you find your identity in your physique you know, and you, you like to go to the gym and just show off that you're just strong and, and, and ripped and muscular. And that's really interesting because for a lot of people over the last 12 months, you can't even go to the gym. And if you can go to the gym, you have to wear a mask so no one knows that you're the cool guy with a great physique. And so all of a sudden over these last 12 months, all these things that we identify with, all these things that we use to define ourselves, to elevate ourselves are gone. And it's just down to us and who we are. And we're feeling lost wondering where our identity is gonna come from. And we get to be a city on a hill that says, you know what, even if you've lost your way, God has never forgotten you. God is with you and you know what, who you are matters way more than what you do anyways. So I'm so excited for this revival that's coming. I'm so excited that we get to be right in the middle of it, that individually we get to be the salt of the earth and we get to be the light of the world and collectively we get to be a city on a hill. I'm so excited, but there's one thing that I wanna mention. We talk about the world has gone through a tough 12 months, but the truth is you have too. Like you're a part of the world, right? I'm a part of the world, right? And this has been a hard 12 months on us. Because if you read very carefully in Matthew chapter five, you will hear that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's not going to bring any flavor. You are the light of the world. But if you cover that light, what good is it? In other words, you're not going to bring certainty and strength to anyone. And collectively, you are a city on a hill, but if you hide that city on a hill, what good is it? How is it going to make lost people found. And so I guess for me today, I want to address that because I do believe there's a revival coming. I do believe that we get to be blessed and be right in the middle of it. But I want to answer the question that says this, what do I do if I feel like I'm supposed to be the salt of the earth, but I don't feel very salty. What do I do if I feel like I'm supposed to be the light of the world, but I don't feel very radiant. What do I, What do I do if I feel like we're supposed to be a city on a hill, but I feel like we're all wandering in our own direction and the city has been abandoned and it's hidden, what do I do then? And I think there's a real specific answer for you and to give it to you, I'm gonna go back a little bit. I wanna go back to River Glen Elementary School in Red Deer, Alberta. And you got to know something about River Glen Elementary School in Red Deer, Alberta. At River Glen, we looked forward to grade four. Grade four was a big deal. If you were in grade one, grade two, or grade three at River Glen, you couldn't wait to get into grade four. Because on the last day of grade four, you went on a big annual field trip to Fort Calgary. All the other grades stayed behind. And the grade four class went down to Fort Calgary amazing. We just knew that when those grade four students got back and got on the buses to take us all home, they would often come with like these little paper bags filled with old-fashioned candy like taffy and peanut brittle and these little jawbreakers. And, and the ones that I found the most fascinating were like l- licorice, but shaped like a twig off a tree. I just thought that was so amazing. And I remember uh, sometimes the grade four students would get on the bus and they would share their candy with the other students. But when I was in grade one, grade two, and grade three, no one really shared anything with me on that bus, okay? But I didn't care because I knew my time was coming. I knew one day I was gonna go to Fort Calgary and I was gonna get some of those licorice sticks for myself, so stoked. So finally we get to grade four. There was a hundred grade four students in River Glen. We were split into four different classes. Uh, My class was taught by a guy by the name of Mr. Frank. And so about a month into our grade four year, Mr. Frank sat down one day, put his feet up on his desk, about an hour left before the end of school. And he said, I'm going to talk about what you guys have all been waiting to hear about, the Fort Calgary field trip. And now we're on the edge of our seats, right? He's like, I want to tell you something about it. It's even better than you think it's going to be. It's amazing. He said, do you know that the grade one, grade two, grade three, grade five, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, grade nine classes, they all stay behind that day? and we get to go to Calgary on flat-nosed buses. <laughs> flat nose bus? We never got to ride flat-nosed buses. That was incredible, right? And then we get to Fort Calgary, and we get to learn about the fur trade. And then, and then we have lunch at like this old-fashioned restaurant where, where there's all homemade food, and at the end, you get homemade apple pie and homemade ice cream. And then after lunch, we get to learn about the pioneers and the explorers. And then near the end of the day, if your parents gave you spending money, you got to go to the old fashioned candy store. And, uh, and, and as I share it with you now, I gotta be truthful. It doesn't sound that fun to me. But in that moment, I got t- Like when he said flat nosed buses, we're just looking at each other going, can you believe this? Fur trade. I mean, I've always wanted to learn about the fur. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like I was so excited. But then the tone of Mr. Frank's diatribe changed a little bit. He stood up and he walked around the classroom. And it was like he made eye contact with every one of us. He said, but you got to understand something about the Fort Calgary field trip. He said, look it, this is not a right, it's a privilege. It's a privilege that you're going to have to earn and you're going to earn it by your good behavior. He said, here's how it's going to work. You notice that I've written every one of your names on the side of the blackboard and I've left enough room where we're going to keep demerit points this year. Okay, so if you do something pretty bad, I'm gonna give you a warning, all right? If you do something really bad, I'm gonna give you half a demerit point. And if you do something incredibly bad, I'm gonna send you to the office to get one whole point. And if anybody has 25 points at the end of the year, they don't get to go to the Fort Calgary field trip. And so like a hush fell over the classroom. He said, but here's the good news. In all our years of doing this field trip, no student has ever been left behind. And I'm counting on each and every one of you to keep that streak alive. And he looked around the classroom, and I just felt like standing up and saluting and saying, Captain, my captain. I mean, I was so motivated. I was so in. And I also started thinking to myself, it shouldn't be that hard. Right? You get 25 points for the year, for the, for, for the year, and If you do something pretty bad, you don't even get a point, you get a warning. If you do something really bad, you get half a point. If you do something like incredibly bad, you get a whole point. There's no way anyone could get 25 points. Like I started thinking about it and there was this one guy in our class named Aiden and the way we we expressed it back then is he was a wingnut. You know, he was a few French fries short of a happy meal. I mean, this kid was crazy, right? And I thought maybe, maybe Aiden could get 25 points, but then I started adding it up. I'm like, no, not even he could pull that off. So I felt super confident. Super confident. But almost immediately after Mr. Frank gave us that talk, I began to rack up points. A half a point here and a half a point there. It's amazing how quickly half points add up. I got my first whole point one day. We were walking to the school buses after school, and I threw a snowball at Darcy Kavanaugh. And he put up his Dukes of Hazard lunch kit to block the snowball. And I want to tell you, I had no idea that there was a big rock inside the snowball. I really didn't, but it shattered his Dukes of Hazard. Lunchbox. Okay, so I got a whole point there, and the points just kept adding up. You know, a kerfuffle on the playground here, a broken window there, and by the end of May, I was sitting at 22 points. About three more weeks of school, and I could not get three more points. Whew. I was so motivated though. I kept looking up on the blackboard Mike Manis, 22. Mike Manis, 22. I did not want to get 25 points. So on June 1st, science class. Science teacher had this place where I would go when we had work to do in the class, okay? There was like these four cubicles, wooden cubicles at the very back of the class. And he would put me there all by myself because he said, Mike, you get distracted too easy. So go there where nothing can distract you. So I went back there that day and somebody had left a uh, a geometry set. And you know, in the geometry set, there's that protractor thing that you can draw circles with and it's got that really sharp end. And so I took the sharp end of the protractor and I started carving something really not nice about one of my classmates. And I was so into carving that I didn't even notice that a hush has kind of fallen over the classroom. And when I do, I am absolutely sure what I'm going to see. And I look over my shoulder and my science teacher is standing there. I'm at 23 points. Not only that, but he gave me a detention. He said I had to come in every day at lunch for the entire lunch hour and had to sand down these four wooden cubicles so that they could be painted that summer. So on the second day of detention, I walked in and he says to me, hey, that's a container of dry ice on that table. I said, what's dry ice? He said, "Never mind that, don't touch it. I'm telling you that just don't touch it. Just get to sanding, don't touch it. So he walks out of the room and I went right up to the container of dry ice, took off the lid and I touched it. And it's really weird because it's supposed to be cold, but it feels hot, like it kind of burns. And so as I was going in for like one more touch just to see exactly how it felt like, my science teacher comes walking back in the room. Well, now I'm at 24 points. And it's like June 1st. So I lasted two more days. Two days later at morning recess, remember I told you I was carving something bad about one of the kids in my class on the desk? Well, that kid uh, found out what I had written and the entire school wanted us to fight. So at morning recess, we got in a fight. And I just remember coming back to class after recess and my, my lip was bleeding and I was crying a little bit and shaking a little bit because of the adrenaline. And I just remember sitting in my class and I kept looking up at the blackboard, Mike Mannis, 24, Mike Mannis, 24, Mike Manis 24. Mike Manis, and I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe I got away with it. And just before lunch, there's a knock on the door. Mr. Frank walks out. He's there for like a minute. He calls me, Mike, come here. So I walk up to the hallway. I'm looking up at him. He says, You didn't really get in a fight, did you? I said, Yeah. He said, No field trip for you. And then the bell went. He said, Go to your science detention. I will uh, give you a letter to send home to your parents tonight. And so a couple of weeks later, all the buses, all the flat nosed buses, with 98 of the great four students from River Glen Elementary School headed out to Fort Calgary, two of us stayed behind in a classroom, uh, me and Aiden. He made it to like two days before the field trip. But he got his 25th point. And I, and I just remember sitting there and I had my, my elbows on some dictionaries on a shelf beside a window and I was just looking at the buses pull out. And it's funny how life can label you. Because up until that point in my life, honestly, I think I was a, a, a little kid with good perspective. Like I kind of understood that yesterday maybe wasn't that good. And there was maybe some things that could go wrong tomorrow, but I was really good at kind of like just living in the moment. Well, on that day, something changed inside of me because I became aware of all the stuff that I could regret from the past But more than that, the thing that I feared the most, the thing that I actually didn't even think was possible that it could ever happen to me, had happened to me. And up until that moment, I had been a pretty positive little boy. You know, I was, even when life knocked me down a little bit, I always kind of thought, hey, I can bounce back. This is going to be better. Today is going to be a good day. Well, as I sat there leaning on the dictionaries, watching those buses, something changed inside of me. And I stopped being positive be- because today wasn't gonna be a good day. And this was the day. It wasn't like, well, tomorrow will be better. It doesn't matter. Tomorrow doesn't matter now because I'm not going to Fort Calgary. And, and finally up until that moment, I think I was comfortable with who I was as a person, my personhood. See growing up, my parents always told me I was a good kid. And I I believe him. Like I knew that I struggled. I struggled on the bus. I struggled on the playground. I struggled to pay attention. I struggled to talk too much sometimes, but I really believe that I was just a good kid with struggles. But in that moment, watching those buses pulled out, something changed inside of me. I kind of came to the point where I thought, no, I'm bad at life. I'm deeply flawed because honestly, there is a line somewhere and that line divides good people and bad people. And you know where the line is? The line's just on the other side of these dictionaries. All the good people are on the bus right now. All the bad people are sitting in this classroom. There's worthwhile people and worthless people. And they're divided by a line just on the other side of these dictionaries. And the worthwhile people are on their way to buy licorice that looks like twigs and the bad people are sitting, or the worthless people are sitting in a classroom. So I kind of lost my sense of personhood. And I want to stop there just for a second. Because what I want to suggest to you is I suggested if we wanna become the salt of the earth again, if we wanna become the light of the world again, if we wanna become a city on a hill collectively, I really believe we need to recognize that these last 12 months, were a little bit like my great four year. We've been rattled a little bit, you guys. Like for so many of us, we've lost our perspective. Like I said it earlier, like people say, I thought 2021 was gonna be better but the only difference between 2021 and 2020 is that now we have toilet paper. It's it's dismal. It's terrible. And there's this sense of like, man, I have all these regrets in my past that I can't move past and there's nothing good in front of me and so we become a very anxious, very regretful people. And what I want to suggest to you is that we need to get a perspective back. And for so many of us, we've lost our positivity. What's there to look forward to, (laughs) all right? You, You sit there on the edge of your seat waiting for some good news and week after week after week after week after week, there is no good news. And so we've lost our positivity, but I wanna suggest to you that there's a way that we can get our positivity back. And finally, I think for a lot of us, we've lost our personhood. Like somewhere along the line, we might've thought to ourselves, hey, I'm a pretty good kid. I'm a good kid, I just struggle. But this year has been tough. There's been a lot of disappointment there's been a lot of mistakes made. There's been a lot of stuff happening. And for so many of us, I think we've kind of come to this point where after all, uh, after, after our work life has been stripped, stripped away, after our physique has been stripped away, after our uh, friendships, so many of them have been stripped away, after our ability to meet together has been stripped away. It's just me now. And here I am and I'm standing here and I don't like what I see anymore. And what I want to suggest to you is that we're in a stage of our lives right now where we got to get our personhood back. So we got to get our perspective, our positivity and our personhood back. I remember standing in the hallway with Mr. Frank. And when he said, No field trip for you, I kind of, there was a little part of me that thought maybe he was gonna go, Just kidding. <laughs> you know, just, hey, I got you. I had you going. But he didn't. And in hindsight, you know what I wish? I kind of wish that he would have tried to restore my perspective. I, I, I kind of wish he would have said something like this. It's okay, Mike. Today can be a good day. And the track meet's coming. And that's going to be awesome. Like, don't let this derail the rest of your year. But he, he didn't really do that. And, and, and looking back, I kind of wish that he would have done something to restore my positivity. Like, I, I, I wish he would have said, you know what? I can, I can see something. I can see that uh, these next weeks are going to be better. And that you're going to have other great experiences in your life. And this isn't the, this is just going to be a blip on your radar. This is just going to be a speed bump on the highway to a great life. But he didn't do that. And I kind of wish he would have did something to restore my personhood. Like I wish he would have looked at me and said, you know what? You're not your behavior, Mike. You're not your mistakes. You're actually a really good kid. And I'm so sorry that you're going to do this. That you're you're not going to be able to go on this field trip. But it's going to be okay. Because you're going to be okay. Because you're a good kid. In hindsight though, honestly, that was not Mr. Frank's job. I was probably a handful to deal with, truthfully. And I think that for so many of us, maybe we get to these positions in our life where we're looking for other people to do for us what actually I think only Jesus can do. So I want to suggest to you today that if we want to become the salt of the earth again, if we want to become the light of the world again, if collectively we want to come together and be a city on a hill, I think we really need to ask Jesus sincerely. We need to ask Jesus, would you please restore my perspective? Would you please restore my positivity? Would you please restore my personhood? Because we're just a couple weeks away from celebrating Easter and we celebrate Easter, what we remember is we remember that Jesus Christ, the son of God, stepped into human history. He came to where we are. And I just want to make one note, wherever we are. So he came to the kids on the way to the field trip, but he also came to the classroom, to the kid leaning on the dictionaries. You understand what I mean? No matter where you are right now, he came for you, to you. And he lived and he died and he rose again. And so what I want to suggest to you today is I want to suggest that he wants to restore your perspective. Man, we can spend our whole lives looking in the rearview mirror, can't we? But the Bible says that by his stripes, we are healed. So even those bad things that happen to us, he can begin to heal them if we ask him. And, And that because he died on the cross, his blood covers our sins so that we can be forgiven. We can get past our past because of him. We don't have to live there. And not only that, but he goes before us into tomorrow. What am I saying? What I'm saying is you need to ask Jesus today, Jesus, would you give me the strength to make today my masterpiece? Man, I can spend my whole life looking back there. I can spend my whole life looking up here, but that's not what you created me to do. Would you please give me the strength to make today my masterpiece? And I think we need to come to Jesus and we need to ask him to restore our positivity. You know, Sometimes I say this phrase and I think some people think that it's kind of a glib phrase. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You know, I really believe that, right? That when Jesus died and when he rose again, that he defeated death, he defeated darkness, he defeated despair. So on a macro level, I believe that um, this earth is just the beginning that we have eternal life to look forward to. But on a micro level, I keep thinking to myself that Jesus told us to pray this way. He said, heavenly father, May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that frees us up to do? It means that we don't have to sit around waiting to go to heaven one day to see something better. We can start building something better right here and right now. And finally, I think we need to, probably most importantly, we need to come to Jesus today and we need to ask him, would you please restore my personhood? So let me tell you something. I was nine years old as I leaned on the dictionaries and watched those flat-nosed buses leave out of River Glen elementary school in Red Deer, Alberta. And the next 11 years of my life, I became a nightmare, by and large, a nightmare. I lost my perspective, I lost my positivity and mostly I lost my personhood and I did not make the world a better place. The people that came into contact with me were not blessed. Their lives were not improved. And honestly, I think that we all need to come to Jesus sincerely right now and say, would you please restore my personhood? Second Corinthians five says it this way, that Jesus Christ who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So let me talk to you right now about who you are spiritually. Because of Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took all your wrong and he gave you all his right. He took all your bad and he gave you all his good. So you're as right as right can be right now, spiritually speaking. And so the rest of your life is going to be um, the beautiful emergence of what's already true inside of you to the outside. That's you. Like there's a U shaped hole in this world. There's a U shaped hole in history. There's a U shaped hole in, in your family, in this neighborhood, in your city. And God placed you there because he loves you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I understand, man, maybe you've missed a field trip or two. Maybe this 12 months has left you feeling like you're less than a good person, but you're not. It's a lie. I really think we need to come to Jesus today and ask him, please restore my perspective, my positivity, but also my personhood. And understand again that you've been placed on this planet on purpose, with a purpose and for a purpose. So how do we do that? I've been thinking a lot about that this week. So on one level, we can all come to Jesus right now. And and, and I hope wherever you are, that you're doing that. Man, I need to do that. God, it's been a tough 12 months. Restore my perspective, restore my positivity, restore my personhood. But I just want to suggest one more next step. We're three weeks away from Easter. Here's what I want to suggest. I think what you need to do, is you need to make it a priority to be a part of our Easter experience this year. Not for my sake, so I'm like, oh wow, look at all the people looking. But because I think every one of us needs to go back to that story. We need to go back to the story of Easter because it completely renews and changes our story. So here's what I think. If you're in the Chilliwack area, if you're in the Fraser Valley area, I think there's a good chance that we're gonna have some semblance of in-person meetings for Easter. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I know that the staff and the leadership of the church has been spending hours and hours and hours painting different kinds of scenarios that could work out. But could you make it a priority to just be tuning in and ready? And if you feel comfortable and and this is going to be a very safe environment, we're going to do everything that we need to do. If you feel comfortable, can you make it a priority, man? I can't wait to see people again. But if you don't feel safe and that's not your thing or, or you're not in our area, Can you set a reminder right now to make Easter service at Southside a big priority in your life? Like maybe if you have some people that you feel comfortable having over, can you invite them over this year? Or if you don't feel comfortable inviting anybody over, could could you just have some watch parties? Where there's a bunch of you in different places watching this and, and being reminded again that because of Jesus, our story is utterly and completely, totally changed. We're the salt of the earth. Like I really believe the world wants to know right now that man, this, (laughs) this no longer satisfies, but he comes in and he changes from the inside, complete and total contentment and satisfaction, changes everything. You're the light of the world. Too much uncertainty, too much fear. We need to remind the world, look at above and beyond governments, above and beyond viruses, above and beyond restrictions, above and beyond vaccines, above and beyond quarantines. There is a God. And even when everything seems out of control, he is completely and totally in control and he loves you so much. And finally together, we're a city on a hill. We're a city on a hill. I wanna show you a picture that a friend of mine sent the other day. And you look at it and first glance, it's pretty amazing, right? At first glance, you look at that picture and you think, That's a picture of a church from a hill. That's a picture of a church from a hill. Yeah, yeah, naturally speaking it is, but it's actually, spiritually speaking, it's a picture of a city on a hill. And and through this place, through this tool that God has given us, through people who walk in through these doors and people who receive the message that goes out, here's what's going to happen. Lost people are going to be found. Broken people are going to be made whole. Lonely people are going to be loved. Generational curses are going to be broken. And we're going to be able to look each other in the eye, physically or virtually, and say, oh yeah, the best is yet to come. So, as I close today, I just want to ask you a question. The story of Easter is so amazing, but it's also really personal. So I have a question for you. Have you ever accepted everything that Jesus purchased for you through his life and his death and his his resurrection. That he wants to give you a new sense of perspective where you can just make today your masterpiece. You can move on from the past and stop being anxious about the future. He wants to give you a renewed sense of positivity that you know that over and above all of the stuff that we see and all the stuff that we worry about is a God who is so for you and he loves you so much and he's got you, he's got you, he's with you right now. And finally, he wants to renew your sense of personhood. He loves you so much that he died for you. Honestly, it'll change everything. So if that's you and you've never invited Jesus to play that role in your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. So I'm going to pray out loud and you can pray wherever you're at. Whenever you're watching this, pray along with me, please. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. I pray today, Jesus, that you would be my savior. In other words, that you would just get me past my past, move me past my past, and you would also be my Lord. I trust you. I trust that you got the future in your hands too, and you got me in your hands, and you love me so much. Give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time to tell the story that you created me to tell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In your name, I pray. Amen. Man, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. It's been a tough 12 months, but I'm telling you, this is a big, big moment. I'm so proud of you. Hey, we want to support you in this. So if you don't mind, if you could text the keyword life, see how I'm texting right now? I'm not really texting. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Just text the keyword life to 604-670-3040. And now to everyone else. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? You're the light of the world. But if you cover the light, what good is it? We're a city on a hill. But if you hide that city, what good is it? Say, I told you, after that moment of leaning on those stupid dictionaries, the next 11 years of my life, I was a nightmare. We're the opposite, we're the opposite. We're coming to Jesus today. We're asking him to renew our perspective, our positivity and our personhood. And there's a revival coming. And here's the thing, God's gonna give you the strength to be right in the middle of it. Can you believe it? I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.